Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter number 24, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of the word, we're going to read two verses of scripture. Chapter 24, verses 13 and 14, we're going to read in your hearing. Matthew 24, 13 and 14. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel, <laughs> that means there's no other gospel. That means if anyone else preaches anything differently, other than this gospel, it's the wrong gospel. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Jesus is going to give everyone a chance I said Jesus is going to give everyone a chance Lord in the name of Jesus I thank you Lord for this day thank you Lord for your sweet spirit that is saturating our hearts saturating my mind right now God I pray for clear direction I pray that anointing be upon me God I pray Lord Jesus because this is your church. These are your people. We are your sheep and I am your vessel. Help me, Lord, to speak every word that is intended. I pray that my flesh will not get in the way. I pray that we will leave here better, stronger, wiser than what we walked in here. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. You ready to receive it? Clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's magnify. You may be seated. I want to preach on this subject today, and that is salvation essentials. I don't know if I'm going to preach it. I don't know if I'm going to teach it. I may do a little bit of both. Uh, but I want to talk about salvation essentials. A good message to just jot down some things on because I'm going to be going through as quickly as possible, but with respect to all. Salvation essentials you know in the days of Adam and Eve we read and understand that there was a salvation essential even in that day there was one thing that was required of them and one thing only was required of them you can eat of every tree in the garden but you cannot eat of this one the salvation that was essential in that moment, in that day, was just simply obedience. Just obedience. Adam and Eve had one and only one very important salvation essential. Obedience. And we know that they became distracted from that essential. Because if the devil can get you distracted with the things you cannot do, you will quickly lose focus on what is available for you. Everything you need, everything you want is in Jesus Christ, including eternal life. But because they got distracted, they lost their, their eternal life. The first expectation put in place 
uh, once sin was introduced to mankind was modesty. It was the very first expectation after sin was introduced from God. There was not one or there was not one of, this was not one, excuse me, modesty was not one of the original essentials, but because of sin now entering the world, it has become an essential. The church did not introduce modesty. God introduced modesty. The scripture lets us know in Genesis chapter 3 that once they had sinned, their eyes became opened and they realized they were naked. And once they realized they were naked, once God called for Adam, they both hid because they were naked. Where are you, Adam? Why are you hiding? I'm naked. How did you know you were naked? Did you not follow the only salvation essential that I had in place? Just simply obey. It's important for us to understand that once Adam and Eve made fig leaves to try to cover themselves, the scripture uses the word apron. If you was to look up that word, you will understand that these fig leaves that they sewn together, put together, cover their loins or their waist part. And God said, well, that's not going to be enough. So in Genesis 3, 21, it says, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Modesty was introduced and instituted from the beginning by God. Notice Adam and Eve hid from God because they were naked. But we live in a world that highlights the less you wear, the more attractive you are. Now people come into the presence of God, not even considering whose house you just walked into. There was a time when people would drive by a church and if they were playing worldly, ungodly music, they would turn down their music. There was a time when there was so much reverence that people would check themselves before they walked into the house of God. But now we live in a day where churches are allowing people what they wore to the nightclub on Saturday to come and sing on the praise team on Sunday. And the same musicians that you can find at a nightclub, those same musicians are playing for the church choir. So why should I change? Why does it matter if I can do the same thing on Saturday night and come do the same thing on Sunday morning? But God is calling for holy people. There was a time when that happened. And that's why it's important for you, you and I to strive after holiness separation from the world because when people are looking for something that is real and authentic I want them to be able to see it in you and I so we find here where the only salvation essential during Adam and Eve's time was simply obedience and now we come to the time of Noah the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. And then he gives them a timeline. He says, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, this is not in my notes, but I do want to elaborate on this. The Bible says, and it came to pass 
when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born of them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, or in other words, they were beautiful. The sons of God here are not angels. There is a doctrine that has been taught for decades, I mean decades, where philosophy will say that the sons of God were angels that came down in human form and then they went in and met with and began to have wives with the daughters. That is a false doctrine. That is a lie. At no time has God called an angel a son of God. That's in your Bible. We are the sons of God. You and I are the sons and daughters of God. Angels are not sons of God. So it cannot be that way. And that's where you get all of this, uh, uh, where they believe in Thor and Hercules and all that Greek mythology. All of that derives from this right here, what we just read in the book of Genesis. And it's a lie. The sons of God are you and I, and they seen the daughters that were born that it speaks of in verse number one. It says it that they had daughters were born unto them, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of all which they chose. So it's very important to understand that. Can I just take it a little bit deeper here? Now, to give you further understanding of why it cannot be angels, I don't know if anyone in here believes that or even teaches that or even heard of that, but I want to put a little stamp of validation on it, just in case you come across a YouTube video and it's got you confused, amen. Uh huh. And so, just so you know, that the Bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit heaven. That's in your Bible. Flesh and blood cannot inherit heaven. So blood cannot be in an angel. Because an angel cannot be in heaven and have blood. And I'm talking about even the fallen angels because they did not leave their natural estate. That's in your Bible. So they cannot have blood. And I'm sorry, in your reproductive systems, in that reproductive cell that you have, it has blood in it. And so an angel cannot have blood, so therefore it cannot reproduce. All right, I'll move on. And so the scripture lets us know as we go to Genesis chapter number six, now we come to the time of Noah. The Bible says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took unto them wives of all they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually the bible says and it repented the lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart and the lord said i will destroy man whom i have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that i have made man god was upset and this is during Noah's time. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 17, and it came and, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the son of man. And that is the time that we are living in. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. I believe we have been warned, church, we need to be ready. Either you're in the boat or you're not in the boat, but we need to be ready. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in verse number eight in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible lets us know in verse number nine in Genesis chapter six, these are the generations of Noah. But then it says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Notice that the generation of Noah was evil yet amongst all the evilness Noah still 
walked uprightly before God. Don't you tell me you can't live right in this wicked generation. Don't tell me God cannot be with you in this wicked generation as he was with Noah. Somebody ought to pray that prayer. So Lord be with me. Hallelujah. So the salvation essential during this time of Noah was simply believing. They had to believe there was a level of faith and also obedience. They had to believe in God and they also had to obey him. These salvation essentials remain during the time of Abraham. Belief and obedience. For the Bible says in Galatians 3 and 6, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham and all those in this time period had to believe and obey for their salvation. How were they saved? They had to believe and they had to obey. And that continued even until the time of Moses. We can fast forward to the time of Moses now in Exodus chapter number 14, verse number 30. It says, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So they had to believe him and they had to obey him. And that is how they had salvation even up until the time of Moses. But I want you to see something here because up until the time of Moses, uh, even after they came out across the Red Sea, something was added. There was a shift that was made in addition to belief and obedience. And we find that in Exodus chapter number 32. Remember that they made the golden calf while Moses was up on Mount Sinai communicating with God. And while they're down there making this golden calf, causing all type of ruckus, acting foolish, naked and unholy the bible says in exodus 32 verse number seven and the lord said unto moses go get thee down for thy people which thou brought us out of the land of egypt have corrupted themselves but in verse number 26 the scripture says then moses stood in the gate of the camp and said who is on the Lord's side. So there was something added in the day of Moses once they came across the dry land. Now it was belief. It was obedience and also confession. So we must be able to confess out of our mouth that we believe and trust in the name of the Lord. So now we see here another salvation essential just has been put into place that was not there before, and that is confession. The scripture says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And now we fast forward and come into the New Testament. Now we come into the time of John the Baptist. And it's here, John the Baptist, uh, we see the salvation essentials for the salvation essentials during the time of John the Baptist were believe, obey, confession. And now we're going to see the first time that water baptism is mentioned for the bible says in the book of mark chapter number one starting at verse number four john did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins and there went out unto him all the land of judea and they of jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of jordan doing what confessing their sins the Bible says in John 1, verse number 24, it says, And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him, Why are you baptizing? If you're not the Christ, if you're not Elias, if you're not that prophet, why are you baptizing? John is adding another essential part of the salvation on top of believing, obeying, and confessing. Now he's saying that you must be baptized. But we must understand something here that John was baptizing unto repentance saying, hey, I'm coming as a precursor because there's one that is coming and that's the one that you need to listen to. That's why in verse number 21, uh, verse number 29 in chapter number one, it says the next day John see of Jesus coming unto him, saith, be 
behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The sin, excuse me, of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And the people that did not accept John the Baptist in that day, they also refused Jesus Christ. Because if you don't accept the plan of salvation during your time, what comes after it, you will also reject that plan of salvation after that. And see, many people question and say, well, after the rapture takes place, after Jesus comes back, will there be an opportunity for me to be saved? My response to that is, if you can't be saved now, what makes you think you're going to make it after the rapture? The same people that rejected Jesus were the same ones that rejected John the Baptist. And the ones that accepted Jesus were the same ones that accepted John the Baptist. I hope you hear me here tonight. And so it is important here to understand that each era had a plan of salvation. I'm going to repeat that. Each era had a plan of salvation. And everyone living in that era had to obey the one plan of salvation there was not multiple ways of salvation there was not multiple ways to get saved there was only one way to get saved in each era there was only one way to be saved in Noah's day there was only one way to be saved even in Adam and Eve's day we see an example of that when we understand the story of Cain and Abel. We understand and know I was talking to our men's group and Brother Eric was teaching a lesson on the word if. And I told them that the word if shows up for the very first time in the book of Genesis chapter number four. And it's speaking with Cain and Abel. It's dealing with Cain and Abel. It shows up in scripture where God is speaking to Cain, letting him know that if you do well, you would be accepted. But if you don't, sin lies at the door. Cain, there's only one way to salvation. Don't think you can bring some sacrifice that I'm not accepting and I'm going to accept you. And too many of us are bringing sacrifices that God does not accept and we're wanting him to accept our sacrifice i'm telling you my friend there's only one way to heaven and so during the time of adam and eve there was just one way during the time of noah there was just one way during the time of abraham there was just one way during the time of moses there was just one way and this will help us understand because before the days of jesus christ were fulfilled there was only one way and that was the way that John the Baptist was preaching. There was only one way for salvation. And that will help you understand the man on the cross. When people ask you and say, well, what about the man that was on the cross? And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. What about him? He wasn't baptized. He wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to understand his error was in a time period where baptism was not available because remission of sins was not available. And the Holy Ghost was not available because Jesus wasn't glorified yet. So that's why he's the last man to make it in that era. I don't know about you, but when I go to heaven, I want to meet that man. I want to say, man, you was the last one to get in in that era. Aren't you glad as you was hanging there, you looked over to Jesus and asked him to help you in your time need somebody here today needs to magnify the Lord because you look to Jesus in your time of need and in this era God has came and changed your life uh, can I preach this thing tonight I don't know if I'm preaching or teaching but I'm, I'm talking to you tonight every era had its own plan of salvation so we cannot take the plan of salvation in this era and compare it to what they did in Moses' day. It's not the same. So when people try to disagree and argue with you saying, well, why are we doing this now when they didn't have to do it? Because every era had its own plan of salvation. <laughs> salvation wasn't, excuse me, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Ghost was not a salvation essential for the man on the cross. He didn't have to speak in tongues because it wasn't a salvation essential for the man on the cross. 
Matter of fact, if I can dig here just for a moment, the importance of baptism, because baptism is very important. It even shows different scriptures how God used a form of baptism even in the Old Testament. You can follow me here in Exodus chapter number 14. It gives an example of Moses and his day. The scripture says in Exodus 14, verse number 13, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the what? Salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. And this is when they walked across that Red Sea on dry land. And all their past, all their history, all their failures, all their faults that came after them under that Red Sea was washed up in that Red Sea. And when you go down in the name of Jesus Christ, all your past, all your failures, all your faults, I wish I had a church in here, is washed in the name of Jesus Christ. So don't tell me Moses wasn't baptized. Don't tell me that generation wasn't baptized. They was baptized in the Red Sea. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 3, dealing with Noah and his day. 1 Peter chapter number 3, starting at verse number 20. It says, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight, someone say eight, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls were saved by water. He goes on to say, the like figure whereunto even Baptism does also now save us. So don't tell me you don't need to be baptized. The word of God says we must be baptized if you want to be saved. I know there's churches and religions all across this world that tell you all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is confess. They will not teach you baptism. They won't even talk about it. Matter of fact, they treat it as some kind of afterthought, as if it's your choice whether or not you want to be baptized. That is a lie from the devil. The Bible says we must be born again of the water. Are you saying, preacher, if I'm not baptized, I'm not saved? No, the Bible's telling you if you're not baptized, you're not saved. And I'm repeating the words of the Bible. So no, my friend, you cannot be saved if you're not baptized in water. It gives us examples. And this is what separates us. Can I make it personal? This is what separates me as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ from every other denominal world or denominal church or denominal preacher. It separates me because I do not uh, find in scripture denominations. And that's why I do not preach the importance of the affiliation to a denomination for salvation. I don't downplay when people say, I'm Baptist, I'm Catholic, I'm whatever the case may be. I don't downplay that, but something in me just begins to cringe because they lean on what they are and they're putting that on their salvation as if they're saved because they're Catholic, as they're saved because they're Baptist, or they're saved because they're Pentecostal. That doesn't matter what you call yourself. Denominations are not in the book. We must follow the plan of salvation. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what it said. I'm telling you, I'm looking at a cloud of witnesses. See, some of us are second, third, fourth generation apostolics. And I thank the Lord for that, whoever you are. Thank the Lord for that. But there are many people here today that are first generation apostolics. They come from Church of God in Christ. They come from Baptist. They come from Catholic. They come from non-denominational. They come from all different walks of life until God gives them greater revelation. You take a further step in him. You didn't lose anything that you had you just took another step up 
And that's what the Lord wants to do. He just wants to take you another step up. It's not that you're downgrading. It's that you have greater revelation. And now I'm going higher and higher and higher. I wish somebody would get excited in here because God has taken you higher. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Yes, uh, amen. Uh, uh, our salvation is a journey made up of several biblical steps. If we stop our journey at any of these steps and we say we are saved, we have just created a denomination. That's how denominations got started. Well, all you got to do is believe. We're saved by grace, through faith, just believe, but that's all you have to do. Denomination. You just created a denomination. All you have to do is just believe only as long as you believe, confess with your mouth, you're saved. Denomination. Well, we believe in the Holy Ghost, but, you know, if you want to be baptized or not, matter of fact, if you want to speak in tongues or not, I mean, it's kind of up to you, but we're not going to force that on you. Denomination. I can just keep going down the list. Our salvation is a journey. It's continual. You don't just come and check a couple boxes and say, I'm saved. You better read your Bible, young man. You better read your Bible, young lady. You just created a denomination. A flight of stairs consists of several steps. However, we will never reach the top if we stop on one step. We must continue on the journey until we reach the finish. And now I've got great news. <laughs> I've got great news. Now that Jesus has come, he's died. He's been buried, but he's not there. He rose again on the third day. And not only has he rose, but now he's been glorified. His death, burial, and resurrection has been fulfilled. That's good news for you and I because now our sins can be washed away. Now we can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, something that was not available in the old eras. It was something that people pursued after. They wanted more of Jesus. They wanted him in their hearts. They wanted to see him, feel him, touch him. They wanted what you and I have. We have the presence of an almighty God that dwells on the inside of us. I'm telling you, Noah would have desired to be in this day. The, My God. the prophets would have desired to be in this day, but now here we are in the New Testament day, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Hallelujah. So now that he's been glorified, what are our salvation essentials? Because it's a journey. Well, let me walk you through them very, very quickly. Step number one, you got to believe. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You got to believe. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Once you believe, step number two confess now the bible says in romans if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation but once you believe, once you confess, don't stop there, my friend, because now you need to move on to repentance. The Bible lets us know in the book of Luke that Jesus warns us, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You cannot tell me you can come to Jesus and just say, Lord, I love you. I believe in you. And now I want to live for you. And you do not repent. My friend, I'm telling you that when you give your life to Jesus, there will be a change in your life. You won't go back to the same crack house. You won't go back to the same marijuana. You won't go back to the same alcohol. You won't go back to the same bedrooms that you know you used to be in that you shouldn't be in. I'm telling you, when God gets a hold of your heart, there is an absolute change in your life. Mm -hmm. 
That's why the book of Acts chapter number 32, 38, the apostle Peter declares in the answer to the question in verse number 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, because repentance is a change of heart, a turning away from the sinful lifestyle, a about face. But don't stop there at repentance. Now that you've repented, now you got to move on to water baptism. Why? Because it's a journey. Someone say journey. The Bible says in Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So it takes water baptism because it is important to be baptized, but we don't stop there. We move on. We go to step number five, which is the Holy Ghost. Once we've been water baptized, we can be Holy Ghost baptized. Can it go the other way? Oh, yes, it can, my friend, because we have our dear sister to testify about that she was filled with the gift of the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and i told my sister now you've got to be baptized in the name of jesus christ and i said sister we can do it tonight if you want to you don't have to wait on anything but you can go down in water in the name of jesus christ for the remission of your sins and you can be completely born again of water and the spirit there can be someone under the sound of my voice and you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ I'm telling you tonight you don't have to go home and get clothes guess what we got clothes we got a change of garments we got everything you need to take you down in water all right now let me teach because baptism comes from a Greek word, is baptizo. Baptizo means immersion. So all of you that have been taught that you can be sprinkled, that is a lie. Because baptism doesn't mean sprinkled. The word baptism means immersion. So any religion or any denomination out there that sprinkles people, they're not even baptizing them. They're sprinkling them. It's exactly what you're doing, sprinkling. You can do that over my house. I think I got a water gun somewhere around my house. I can just squirt you when you walk in. But it's not a baptism. You must go down in water. And when you go down in water, you'll go down in that name that's above every name. The only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost. Bible says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When questioned by Nicodemus about how a man can be born again, Jesus breaks it down into its two components or steps, water and spirit. Except the man be born of water, water baptism, and of the spirit, Holy Ghost baptism, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It is God's Holy Spirit within us that will raise us up at the rapture. How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter number 8, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So if you plan on coming up out that grave when the Lord splits the sky, you must have the spirit dwelling on the inside of you. Without it, you stand in that ground. Amen. But once we've been filled with God's spirit, once we've been baptized, we don't stop on our journey. Someone say the journey continues because now we must remain faithful. Mm -hmm. We must be faithful. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, moreover, it is required, required, required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So it is very important because the Bible lets us know in Revelations, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life and after we've been faithful we must continue to endure we must endure and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake but he that endureth to the end shall be saved therefore we must have a strong determination and a made-up mind to continue this journey faithfully 
Hallelujah. James sums it up in James 1, verse number 12. He says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I want to end with this illustration here because the Bible lets us know if you understand the story when Jacob had a dream he had a dream God gave him a vision if you will in his dream and so the scripture lets us know that a ladder he seen was ascending and descending make that secure now brother I don't want to fall all right all right the, 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 the thorns can fall because Jesus ain't, ain't got the thorns no more amen uh, and so he said he's seen a ladder that was ascending and descending. Uh, and it's interesting that God uses a ladder. The ladder went all the way up into the heavens and all the way down to the earth. And so we must understand something here that this ladder was very um, symbolic in our journey in Jesus Christ, in our walk with him. Because every step that you take is part of your journey. And see, many of us may be on step number one, but God is saying, don't stop at step number one. You got to continue to move on up. And so because every step that you go, God is trying to elevate you to a new level and new understanding in him. Now, this is important. That's why you should never talk down to anyone, no matter what step they are on. Just because you on step number five and they on step number one, you can't look at them as if they are lower or less than you. Don't allow your revelation of him give you ego or pride or like you somebody or someone. You must believe that all things come from Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the Lord gives and he takes away because I've seen some of the greatest preachers that can break down scripture better than anyone I know. They're not even walking in truth. They're not even walking in holiness. They're not even preaching the gospel truth like the Bible says. Now they're preaching some false doctrine. Why? Because they allow themselves to take steps down. Somebody say, help me, Lord. But it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. So when you're walking up this ladder here, you're on step number one. It's good that you believe, but don't stop at believing. Then you go ahead and move on up. Confession. You keep on going and you let them know that, hey, I'm, I'm believing and, uh, and I'm obeying the scripture and I'm confessing out of my mouth. That's wonderful. But I want you to know there's more. There's more available for you. And that's the thing that we must understand. And that's what we must educate people about. And that's what I'm trying to tell someone here today there is more because something brought you here but I'm trying to give you something that's going to keep you here because the Bible lets us know that we got to keep on going now it's time for us to repent I got to repent of my sins I've got to say I want to change in my life and when I repent of my sins the Bible says every angel in heaven rejoices when one repents I want to let you know something when we take people down in water I begin to quote that scripture you probably hear me say that that when one person repents every angel in heaven rejoices notice the scripture does not say when one person gets baptized every angel in heaven rejoices it says when one person repents every angel in heaven hold that for me every angel in heaven rejoices what's wonderful about that is is that many of us have repented even in the last week mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, you're, you're overlooking the rejoicing that is taking place even in the heavens because some of you even repented today. Some of you said, Lord, get a hold of my heart. Lord, I don't need to be this way. Lord, I need to change this and change that. I want you to know when you said that, every angel in heaven was saying, thank you. Thank you. You don't understand the party that just happened in heaven because you changed your mind. You change your mind, which change your direction, and every angel in heaven was rejoicing. Let me get done with this illustration. I'm making my parents nervous. Uh, and so now, but you got to keep on going. You got to get on up here and say, how have you been baptized? Uh, have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We never heard of a Holy Ghost. Well, who 
baptized you then because if you was baptized the right way you would know about a Holy Ghost oh John the Baptist baptized me oh no my friend there's a new era now now there's something available for you now you can have your sins washed away are y'all following me in this place now your sins can be washed away and when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and they just stepped on up just a little bit higher and the Bible says that once they was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Paul laid his hands upon them and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I take this up one more time? Let me use your head, brother. There you go right there. Praise God. And now they receive the Holy Ghost. How did they know they received the Holy Ghost? Sister Carol, they began to speak in another tongue. That's how they knew they had the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Where's Brother Mike? Bring your head over here, brother. Bring your, no, not your hand. I need your head. Uh-huh. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Aaron and her, Aaron and her right here, Aaron and her. And so now, now that you got the Holy Ghost, you know what bothers me? is that people they've climbed all this way and then they stop coming to church they climb all this way and then they stop praying they climb all this way and then they stop believing they climb all this way and then they stop fasting they climb all this way oh can I teach y'all in here because now you just born again you gotta start all over again and they didn't have the desire to take one more step Yes, uh-huh. I may need another vacation after this, praise God. Uh, I'm not hurting you, all right, my brother Mike. Good, good. Come on, bring that head on around here. Praise God. Uh-huh. And so uh, they had to take another step. They had to be faithful. They had to endure. They had to be faithful in their giving. They had to be faithful in their praying. You got to be faithful in your fasting. You got to be faithful in your love. Are y'all hearing me, somebody? You got to be faithful. Just because you spoke in tongues and got the Holy Ghost, that don't give you a guaranteed way into heaven. That got you into the kingdom of God. Now you got to stay in the kingdom of God. Why are you taking all these steps and you don't plan on doing something? That's like me setting up a ladder in my house, walking all the way up there and I don't change a light bulb. I don't do anything. My wife said, what you got the ladder out for? There's too many people that got the ladder out and they come all the way up just to walk right back down. But I come against that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody under the sound of my voice will have a mindset to get in and stay in. Hallelujah. You got to come on up the ladder. I'm messing up this pretty hair. Praise God. Uh-huh. Praise God. Hey, Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, brother. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you got to come on up the ladder. Yes, you do. But you got to endure. You got to keep on going. Because he that endures into the end shall be saved. Mm-hmm. You got to keep on living, keep on believing, keep on coming to church. You got to keep on doing things right in the sight of God. Amen. People get up so upset with me because I, I want to talk to them about, you know, once saved, always saved and all those good things. Can you lose your salvation? Look, let me tell you something. You can walk away from your salvation. That's what you can do. It's not something that you can just lose or misplace, you know, because you didn't give it to yourself. God gave it to you. So it can't be lost, but you can walk away from it. That's why the Bible lets us know in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number three, it says, turn ye, O backsliders, for I am married unto you. So God didn't leave you. You left God. Oh, my God, my God. And so we must understand we got to keep on climbing the ladder. And why is this so important? Because when you get to the top of that ladder, when you get to the top of it, I had a crown of thorns up here. My Lord, these things are real. And so, see, when you get up there, now that you've done all these things, you're trying to endure, you're trying to be faithful, but you don't have to take on the thorns because God has already taken on the thorns. I want you to hear me and understand me. Yes, we're going to go through tests. Yes, we're going to go through trials. Yes, we're going to go through things. But Jesus has already paid the price. Jesus has already made the way. Jesus has already took on the sins of the world. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Therefore, you can overcome the world. But you got to keep on walking. You got to keep on walking to realize that I don't have to have a crown of thorns anymore because when I make it all the way to the end, I got to get back up here. Praise God. 
God. Uh, come on, brother, right? Come on. Take this over here. Amen. Uh-huh. Now, go, 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 go get my crown. Amen. Uh-huh. I can get back up here. Because once I make it, and when I enter into those gates, whoo, and when I see my Jesus and when I see him face to face on that day where we stand before him he says because you repented because you believed because you confessed because you kept on going because you got baptized in my name you was filled with my spirit you were faithful you endured now I've already took on the crowns now I'm going to give you another crown and it's called the crown of life if you just keep on making it if you just keep on enduring I'm trying to tell somebody there's a crown in heaven. There's a crown waiting on you and somebody in here needs to get excited because I'm taking on the crown of life. Somebody magnify the Lord. Lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, are you ready to receive the crown of life? Clap your hands and lift your voice unto the Lord. This is why I endure. This is why I go through what I go through. This is why I keep on going. This is why I get up every single day and choose to do right over wrong. This is why I love you all. This is why I do the things necessary in order for me to receive the crown that is waiting on me. I don't have to worry about those thorns. He's already took them. I don't have to worry about stripes on my back. He already did it. Hallelujah. He already bore the cross for me. So now he's saying, come on, Eddie. Come on, Eddie. You're close to the finish line. You're close to the end. The rapture's about to take place. I'm coming back soon. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep on fighting. Keep on believing because there's a crown waiting on you. I'm telling you, there's a crown waiting on you. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet, please. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised. He's promised it to you. I'm telling you. It's going to be worth it in the end. It's going to be worth it in the end. 